Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, President of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. So, man, next week, Thanksgiving, uh, have you seen all the come and take it signs with a big turkey in the middle instead of the Gonzalez flag? Uh, Government officials have not gotten the message, at least at the local level. I mean, seriously. We're going to mess with Thanksgiving. We're going to mess with Christmas. We'll get into a little bit more of that detail in just a minute. But I want to do some wrap-up. If you're new to the show, we talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom in the arenas of the courts, the legislature, and the media. And we've got a great guest today, and I'll get to that in a minute, as Representative Mays Middleton is going to be joining us. But last week, we are in the Dallas area, had a fantastic gala. You know, our annual gala for Texas Values, the larger one, alternates between Houston and Dallas. And this year it was in Dallas and, you know, different circumstances this year, of course, with the virus and so on. But we still had 300 people for an in-person event. You could only come if it was in person. Now, we do have a highlight video available if you want to see what happened and how everything went. But it was a lot of fun. Great turnout. Tons of energy. Matthew West came to an event for us again. This is the Christian contemporary singer. If you're not familiar with his music, wow, he does some great stuff. And, and on top of that, he wrote the title song for the movie Unplanned, which was the movie about Abby Johnson's conversion from being pro-abortion at Planned Parenthood to becoming pro-life. Uh, but he's got a lot of other great music. And Chip Roy joined us, fresh off his victory Speaking of abortion, over kind of abortion uh, poster child, so to speak, Wendy Davis, that was a big victory, huge congressional victory. We talked a little bit about that and how, you know, we got to get things going and continue to move forward with the state legislative session, but also our country. Uh, You know, a lot of uncertainty about what's going to happen with the presidential election, but certainly these battles going on at the cultural level. And some really good indicators. The House kept their majority as far as Republicans, 83-67. There was no turning Texas blue and all that stuff that the other side, the liberals, threatened. But So we talked about a lot of that in our gala. So you, if you get our web, excuse me, if you get our email, we sent out a wrap-up, just a wonderful highlight video. And we're doing for 48 hours a chance to get us there to our goal of raising $200,000. So check that out if you get our email or go to our website. Uh, we came up about $30,000 short of our goal. Obviously, a lot of people didn't make the event that usually would be there because of some of the uh, health restrictions and, and people... Uh, practicing safety, but you can make a donation online. It's It can be completely contactless, okay? You don't have to touch anybody else but your own keyboard, txvalues.org. But we've got a great guest today, so I don't want to waste any more time or, or talk any more about our wrap-up of the gala. I'll mention a little bit of that as we close. Uh, but we got a great guest today, too. As a matter of fact, turning that corner after the elections, we've got a legislative session coming up, and someone who knows a lot about that is State Representative Mays Middleton. We're excited to have him on the show today. Let me tell you just a little bit about him. So, <laughs> excuse me, he just won re-election. He'll be sworn in very soon for his second term at the state legislature as a Texas House member. He and his wife, Macy, are seventh-generation Texans from Chambers County, that's southeast of Houston. They've got three sons. He served on numerous committees in the state legislature last session, and he's the president of Middleton Oil Company. He's also the chairman of the Texas Freedom Caucus. Chairman Mays Middleton, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Hey, I appreciate you having me on, Jonathan. You bet. Well, look, it's been great over the years to get to interact and talk about issues we care about. Long before you ran for office, uh, you and I were interacting. We were running to each other, getting to know each other on issues of religious liberty, uh, marriage and family and life. And now you're coming up on your second legislative session. You know, and, and I was just trying to do the math 
because I'm fifth generation Texan and I don't think you're that much younger than me. And I'm thinking seventh generation, you might have been a part of the, you know, the, the fight for independence. What, what year does that go back to? So it was uh, my mom's side came actually to the Chambers County area around 1821. And then my dad's side of the family around 1835. And uh, look, I mean, they came here for freedom. You know, it was, it was a a land of opportunity, right? I mean, it, uh, it it was about building a better life and providing for their family and, and Texas grit, right? I mean, it is, it's not an easy area to live in on the Gulf coast. I mean, the mosquitoes, and the rain and the heat and you know you had to really believe in it and that's that texas grit you know that i i think we still have but we also need to use that to put uh put everything we believe in into action well there's no doubt about that and i grew up not far from there uh very close to the houston ship channel and, you know, it's got a peculiar smell to it. Some people call that industry. Some people call it opportunity. Whatever you want to call it, there's a lot of activity around there, but a, but a lot of hard workers, right? A lot of people, particularly during that time, right, the early 1800s when Texas was, you know, really getting shaped, there was a lot of areas that were just, I mean, they were raw, right? And uh, But certainly that mindset and that ethic of providing for yourself but thriving off of freedom. Well, you're coming into your second legislative session and you're already becoming a leader. You're now the chairman of the Texas Freedom Caucus. This is an important group of state house leaders that make sure that our principles of freedom, our constitutional freedoms are protected. And there's been a lot of talk about that at all levels of government coming through and, you know, and during this pandemic. Talk to us a little bit about uh, what the Freedom Caucus is seeing as we go into this, excuse me, 87th legislative session. Well, I think we're coming off a mandate election, right? I mean, $60 million came in to flip the Texas House, and they were pretty convinced that that was going to happen. So the Democrats were were certain they were going to take the majority. Uh, Most of that was out-of-state money, over 90%. I mean, what does that tell you? So every one of those dollars from out-of-state, I promise you, came with out-of-state values from California, New York, somewhere else. And they swung hard and they missed big. You know, we still have 83 seats just like we did before election night on November the 3rd. And we ran the table, frankly. And the House actually, in a lot of ways, got more conservative. So, I mean, we've got a mandate here. We've got a mandate from the voters in this state to go get conservative priorities done next session. You know, and that was just awesome to see on election night to have a message delivered that loudly and clearly. Because, look, I mean, we have never seen that much coming to our state to try to influence our elections. Of course, we know most of that was to do with redistricting, right? Because they wanted to get a hold of the lines to draw the maps next session. I mean, they made that clear, like the Eric Holder groups and, you know, the Ford Majority PAC and some of these other out-of-state groups. They were coming in here to take control to draw the lines next session to help themselves. And Obviously, a lot of that was about Congress, and we did really well there as well in our congressional elections in Texas. No, look, so the, the, the exciting re- night. Yeah, the numbers tell a story, right? The, the election results, I say this a lot, elections have consequences. Government belongs to those who show up. I mean, these are ways that you communicate what you care about. Texas Texans collectively care, uh, communicating what they care about at the ballot box. You know, I was a little surprised the overall turnout was not as high as it seemed to be trending. I thought we were going to get to 80%. I mean, I think we ended up statewide close to 68, but going in to election day, I mean, there were some calculations and estimates that we were already at 60%. So it's kind of interesting 
if you will, not a whole lot of turnout on Election Day, but three weeks of early voting is a big reason why. But let's talk about some of those results, right? So you look in the greater Houston area, not far from where you are, um, Harris County, Fort Bend County, some of those areas. Uh, two, one seat flipped back to Republicans. That's Mike Schofield, I believe. Uh, House District 132 is the number. But west parts of Houston, uh, northwest parts of Houston and so on, that area is absolutely exploding, Spring and Cypress. So he goes back to the seat he had a couple of years ago. Lacey Hull holds on to the seat held by Dwayne Bohack, a little bit closer in in Houston on the west side, but a lot of concern that that might be at a tipping point. Uh, And then, I mean, look, I got to talk about it. Sarah Davis, okay, it says she's a Republican next to her name, but you and I know her voting record looks just like a Democrat. She lost, but to your point, it's that that didn't really change anything. And if anything, with like Lacey and Schofield, it, you know, I think that's sort of what you're getting at. And and maybe a few others, there's a little bit more tilt, a little more conservative now in the Texas House. Right. We're more conservative now for sure after November the 3rd. You know, it it was just an awesome result to see because look i mean it says it in our our declaration of independence that these rights are endowed on every human being of of life liberty and property by our creator you know our rights are from god and not government and i think that that message was sent loud and clear on election day especially with what's going on lately with all the shutdowns and government seizing control of almost every area of people's lives. And I think that was a, a, a true uh, test vote right there that, that people don't want that, that they're tired of it. And of all states in Texas, you know, we have to trust people to make their own decisions for themselves. Government does not know how to run your life better than you do, period, the end. Well, we're talking with Mays Middleton, state representative from the Chambers County area, also chairman of the Texas Freedom Caucus. You know, I was in Houston this week and go there probably two or three times a month. And you still got the the county judge there shutting things down. I mean, Thanksgiving's upon us very soon next week. And there's a lot of concerns about that. You know, people concerned about whether or not they can meet. Is the government going to shut down, you know, your Thanksgiving meal, the fight over the wishbone? I mean, what? it's just ridiculous. And, and here we are in November. I mean, this whole thing started in March. And we still have particularly local government officials that are out of control. I would expect we're going to see a lot of attention on this at the state legislative session from lawmakers reining in or making sure we have things in state law that put limitations on the amount of uh, you know power that government can try to seize during a pandemic. Exactly. I mean, look, we're never going to forget that liquor stores were deemed essential and churches were not. I mean, that that's just unbelievable to have to live through that in this state of all places. I mean, we thought, okay, maybe California, but, but here, you know, I mean, so at the end of the day, look, disaster powers were passed for things we all kind of expected like hurricanes, uh, you know, tornadoes, wildfires, that kind of stuff where there is a definite end to that, right? When you get sewer and water back on, when you get the roads reopened, when you get, well, there is no end to this. So we have to limit that 1975 Disaster Power Act, which, you know, all the way from City Hall, all the way to the governor's office, they're using, you know, and, and restore that power back to members like we were we were elected to represent our districts and stand up for the values that we ran on. So we need 181 members in the legislature to get to vote on these things. And I don't know if that means, you know, you limit these powers to 30 days and we're going back into session. I'm not sure exactly what that reform looks like, but we've got to reform it. Well, look, I mean, I I remember the reports, people calling us 
that police officers were circling parking lots in San Antonio because people were meeting there in their cars, okay, socially distanced for church. And the there was almost like this intimidation factor as the police are spending their time driving around the church campus, you know, just to see how close people were getting to each other in their cars in a parking lot. It's absolutely ridiculous. And But a lot of churches did close temporarily. Some have still not opened because of fear of what the government would do. Many of them started by just trying to be good community actors. All right, maybe we'll shut down for a couple of weeks if that helps you know, lower the spread of the virus and things of that nature. But, th- but to your point, there's been no limit to it. And so we've heard from one after another pastors say, never again. Never yeah, again are they going to the shut thing. down because you can't trust the government to your point that there's going to be an end to it. I want to mention something, too. Religious liberty will be a big issue during the session. The speaker, there's a new speaker being elected, all right? Dennis Bonin's not going to run for re-election. And it sounds like, you know, even though um, there's not been a uh, a caucus meeting officially, at least that's my impression, um, it does seem like the overwhelming majority of Republicans uh, have, have communicated in one way or another that Dade Phelan's going to be their pick. And considering Republicans have the majority in the House, um, it, it looks like that's that's how things are going to go. I mean, is there anything indicating anything different? So our caucus meeting is the fifth, and that was the big change that we made after Strauss, right? Because Joe Strauss got elected with a unanimous block of Democrats and like eight or nine Republicans that met. This is around 2009. So our bylaws changed to prevent that from happening again. And thankfully, we did. And that's how Dade Phelan has the majority of the caucus support. So we're bound as Republican members of our caucus to support who has the Republican majority, right? Because we have to prevent that situation where a majority of Democrats pick. That's that's the thing that can never be allowed is majority D's join with a minority of Republicans to pick because we know the trades that were made under Joe Strauss, right? He got that support of majority Democrats because he promised them everything was dead. And sure enough, it was a battle. You know, very little got done under his speakership. And he was obviously very liberal. You know, he was tied to Planned Parenthood and and some other groups. And it was just bad for faith, family, and freedom when he was in the speakership. So we'll be meeting on December the 5th, and that's where it's official. And we're all bound to support who comes out of that meeting that has the majority of the Republican support. And that's going to be Dade Phelan. So well, you know, I worked with him closely last session on taxpayer-funded lobbying. He was the chair of state affairs. So taxpayer-funded lobbying is where your tax money is diverted to the pockets of Austin lobbyists. And sadly, those government lobbyists are the ones cons- killing conservative legislation. So just the other day, you know, I don't know if y'all followed up in Lubbock. You know, Lubbock yep. voted down being a sanctuary city for the unborn. Mm-hmm. Well, guess who was advising the city to kill that resolution and protect on board? Texas Municipal League, a yeah. taxpayer-funded lobbyist. So not only is it tax issues, I mean, obviously they lobby to, to raise taxes on us, but they also lobby against the things that we have to do to protect our unborn and faith, family, and freedom legislation that we have to get done, and they're there at every turn to oppose it. And well, it's our tax money that's being used to do that. And that's one of the things that Republican grassroots have asked for. I mean, you know, I, I think what, this is what I'm hearing, too, around the state. I'm, I'm starting to get a lot more invitations to speak now that election season is over. People want to know what's going to happen during the session. Um, I spoke to a group this week. I'm speaking to several in the next couple of weeks. And I'm already hearing the talk of, hey, let's get these Republican Party um, legislative party, excuse me, legislative priorities passed. These were 
eight of the top priorities that were voted on by grassroots members that were Republican delegates uh, to the state convention. And so I think that's something that, you know, look, if you're going to be Speaker of the House, this is what the grassroots Republicans are asking for. I don't think there should be any issue there. And so we'll see what happens December 5th. But I'm hearing a lot of that. And we'll see how it plays out. And look, you know, the issue we care about a lot, too, religious liberty. Um, We'll, you know, we're going to see how, uh, you know, what a a speakership under Dade Phelan looks like. Um, You know this. We've got a concern about, you know, an issue that he took up that we feel like was friendly to the LGBT side uh, last session. But let's see what he does this time. And, And it's not just about the speaker. While the speaker certainly has influence on who's on what committees and those type of assignments and, and, and really kind of the the direction of things in the House, it's also about what members decide that is important to them as well and the other leaders and being able to listen to see what are your constituents asking you to do. And I, and I agree with you that these issues of freedom are going to be important. Uh, the taxpayer lobbying issue, many others, the pro-life issue. I know the heartbeat bill is something that we have a lot of interest and support in, uh, but I'm already hearing from people. They're you know, I don't know when we're going to get in the Capitol, but a lot of gr- grassroots folks around the state, they're ready to get to work. <laughs> so Yeah, we're, we're ready to get that building open. I mean, from the beginning, I've said it's the people's building. It doesn't belong to any of us. You know, if teachers have to teach in person, we should certainly have to legislate in person. And at the end of the day, look, I mean, all this Zoom stuff, like it was with the Cenotep fight, you know, that yeah. we thank God we won. You know, but that was by Zoom. So I got on there and said, look, this is this is just fundamentally wrong to even consider this by Zoom. Right. I mean, you cannot silence the voice of all the people that can't be on the Zoom call. We deserve a right to have our voice heard in person. It's their government. It's their state capital. You know, I mean, there's just a fundamental right. right to that. It's just like going to church. You have a fundamental right to go to church in person. And yeah. I I just I, I it's unreal that that there's another side to that. And we have, frankly, California-style policies being pushed to shut all that down. No, it's. I tell you, I. I mean, we were doing some testimony this week at the State Board of Education. By the way, big victory at the State Board of Education. Okay, they stood together. Conservatives stood together and defeated the efforts to politicize our health standards on sex education with pro-LGBT, pro-abortion, and, and also some really good stuff that's in there that focuses on how important the issue of life is. Big victory. I'm going to talk more about that next week. That's breaking, okay? That's happening, and it's been a year in the works. Um, but one of the things that happened this week, there are people that they didn't get to testify because there was some glitch in the system or some technical issue or whatever. You know, these are important things. You don't want people to fall into that camp, and you just can't replace doing these things in person. And it, w- it just would, I-, I think, would not be right. And so I'm, I'm hearing some little murmurings. Our office is two blocks of the Capitol. You know, we and others thrive on being able to get people there and have their voice heard. And so I- I'm hoping we don't see any restrictions that take away from the opportunity to do that. Well, and I'll tell you, a lot of it has to do with public safety. You know, you have a liberal city of Austin. The Capitol has chains on the gates and sodium lights at night. You don't need that to keep a virus out. That's because they've defunded the police. That's going to be a really important agenda item next session is standing up for public safety because, sadly, these days there's only one party that supports public safety. And I think yeah. that message got <laughs> delivered loud and clear at the ballot box. You know, so, I mean, if, yeah. if you don't have public safety, you don't have life, liberty, or property, period. So that's, yeah. that's why we've got to fight that fight next session to make sure – you know, that we keep our community safe. Well, it's less than two two months away. I mean, I'll have to look at my calendar. I don't remember what the exact day 
uh, that the state legislative session starts. Let me look. I would imagine it's the 12th. I think it starts on usually on a Tuesday in uh, January the 12th. And so we're less than two months away. All right. It's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm going to be excited. Uh, gosh, I lost count how many sessions I've been up there. But we got important work to do. And, you know, look, I, you, we may see focusing on just kind of some of the core things. I don't know if that's going to be true. But certainly these issues of freedom are right there up front. And we're excited about your leadership at the Freedom Caucus. That group of legislators, such an important part of making sure that these issues get heard, they get advanced, and ultimately they get it passed. And so we're glad for what you're doing. We're looking forward to working closely with you uh, as the session comes up um, and is right around the corner. And Representative Middleton, thank you again for being our guest today on the Texas Values Report. And a happy Thanksgiving to you and Macy and your boys and all your family. Well, I appreciate it, Jonathan. God bless. Y'all have a happy Thanksgiving. All right, we'll talk to you again soon. It was great to hear from Representative Middleton. As I mentioned, you know, ascending, if you will, into some leadership positions, only going into a second legislative session, but already making it clear he's going to be out front. Uh, He's going to be taking some strong positions. He's going to try to get things done. I mean, who knew his history in Texas was that deep? Was I right? Seventh generation? That was before Texas became a state. Uh, Always good to get to know people a little bit more. Uh, in their background, and we have spent some some time together uh, personally, so it's great to connect, though. And look, I mentioned our gala was last week in Dallas, right? Tremendous turnout, a lot of great support raised, but honestly, we had a goal of 200,000, and we know we didn't have any, as many people there as we normally would, so it was a little ambitious. Uh, and we're about $30,000 short of that. Look, we just had a victory at the, uh, the victory at the State Board of Education, okay? The results continue to come in. And that's not because we were on the sidelines saying, hey, this is what we think. You should do this. We were actively involved in this process for a year, if not longer, okay? That's crafting policy. That's giving legal guidance. That's giving advice, knowing where the words are supposed to fit, why they matter, if they're fit and they're put in certain places, communicating about what's happening with the work groups, the groups of people that were considering making changes to our health standards at the state level. These are education standards that dictate or largely have a lot to do with what school students are taught in all over the state, close to 1,200 school districts, close to 6 million students. That's a lot of policy and people to impact, okay? But that's what we were able to do. Uh, two of the members of our team, Jonathan Covey and Mary Elizabeth, they were all over this issue all the time, okay? If you wanted to know what was happening, they knew about it. You wanted to know what the vote was, what was the vote count, what were the details of it, they were all over it, all right? They were testifying. They were providing guidance to a ton of people that were also a part of this process. This week, there were like 250 people signed up to testify on this issue. A lot of that had to do with our issue, uh, excuse me, our efforts at Texas Values. Do you know we had over 17,000 people that sent emails, text messages, and messages to the State Board of Education on this issue? That's a pretty strong number. That's that's bigger than some of our small cities in the state of Texas. But we helped with that impact, and so we need your financial support. TXValues.org. Make a donation now for the work we do for faith, family, and freedom. Uh, Help us by the end of the week wrap up what we did at our gala and reach that 200,000 uh, level $200,000 mark. Our budget annually is about $1.5 million, Okay, so $200,000 is not a huge amount in comparison to that, but it's really about where we are now this time of year. 
and it's uh, a goal I think we can reach, txvalues.org. Go to our website right now. And we've got a great highlight video. If you get our email, check your email. I think it was sent yesterday. You can see Matthew West performing, Chip Roy, uh, numerous members of our team. Great highlight video that we put together. I'm going to tell you what, Matthew West is a straight-up great entertainer, okay? The guy's great with music. He's a great performer. He writes great lyrics. But he was a lot of fun in person, too. You know, we had him at an event in September, so we knew a little bit about what we were getting, if you will, Man, he was good. He brought some fresh material. He's got some jokes. You know, really just made it lively, but put a lot of energy and spirit into that room. All right? And, and I loved at one point, you know, he was talking about how, you know, he was on his way to become a professional baseball player. He wanted to play fresh baseball, and he said, you know what? It just didn't work out. So instead, he's at a Weston Hotel on a Friday night playing a concert to 300 people eating chicken dinners. Anyway, it was just kind of his way to have fun with the crazy year that we're having. I mean, Matthew West, he's usually playing between 10, 20, 30,000 people. Huge sellout of crowds and events, right? Well, that's not happening this year, right? But we're having some events. So it gave an opportunity for him to kind of, I think, come down to our level for him to be available to do some of these events because he's going to be back on the road very soon. But he's a very strong Christian and cares about what we're doing. And so, anyway, we're about to run out of time. Huge victory at the State Board of Education. We're getting ready for the legislative session. We still have an opening. We have a communications, full-time communications position open. If you want to help us reach more people, if you want to help us produce this radio show and the social media that we do, we need you, all right? We've got a full, uh, full-time full position that we're hiring for and several other roles. We need interns for the legislative session, okay? We need more people to be a part of our work. Some of those positions are volunteer, and some of them are paid. The communications position is a paid full-time position. Uh, check it out on txvalues.org for opportunities. Make an investment, the best investment I think you can make for faith, family, and freedom at txvalues.org. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.